Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. What's up? Who's excited for church? We haven't met. My name is Ali. My beautiful wife and I, like she mentioned, we started this church four years ago with a simple dream. We wanted to create a place where not only Christians could grow in their faith, but unchurched people could explore their faith. So if you are new, let me tell you, you are a VIP. Fill out one of those connect cards. We'll, we'll reach out. But you should have got one of these on the way in. It's a, a ESV journal Bible because the next four weeks we are doing a collection of talks. We do this several times a year. Where we'll just go straight through a book of the Bible, and we're going to do a collection of talks called Bold Christians, and uh, maybe you heard all the word on the street, we are changing the name of our church from Center Set to Bold, and God gave me not only the name of our church, but he gave me this sermon series, this collection of talks about a year ago, and it's just been on my heart, heavy, I'm like, man, when am I going to do this? And God said, right now. And so I just got to warn you, this is, this, is, this is one of those heavy collections of talks, and we're going to be talk, talking about a lot of subjects that I normally, as a pastor, if you've been here, come, I'm like the encourager. I'm like your brother, like, hey, let's go. God's good. You're not going to like me during this sermon series. And I just got to let you know, that I've never done this before, but I, I thought I needed a, 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 a visual representation of what this collection of talks is going to be. There are times where you preach on the love of God, you preach on the Holy Spirit, and the room's like, oh my gosh, we love you. You're my hero. And then there are times where you want to throw something at me, and you want to pound me down like a nail. And I got a, this is my preaching helmet. It's an indication I'm going to be preaching a very heavy subject, but we need it, right? So I want you to repeat after me because we're all going to be on the same spirit. I would rather, I would rather my, pastor, my pastor tell me what I, what the truth, truth. than tell, tell me what I want to hear than what I want to hear. Go in there. If you have your Bibles or the Bible journal, go with me to Daniel chapter 1. If it's on the screen, someone shout Amen. During the third year of King Jehoiakim, Kim's reign of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz. These are some crazy names. If you don't have a kid and you're looking for a baby, these are, no one is taking these names. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the king of his staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and from other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, good-looking men. This is how Pastor Yasser describes me. <laughs> Come on now. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning. They are gifted with knowledge and good judgment. They are suited to serve in the royal piles. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They would be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. I'm going to preach to you around this subject, bold convictions. If you're going to be a bold Christian, it ain't going to be because you're wearing fresh clothes and you got a nice Instagram. It's because you have some bold convictions. If you want to make a difference, you got to be different. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what you're going to do. Help me preach this. God, I know there are going to be some emails coming this week. I know there are going to be some angry Christians. Remind me, God, I'm going to delete those emails because you're okay with this sermon. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Uh, the, this book of Daniel is crazy. It reads like a Netflix 
movie, like some movie that just came out, like there's this 12, 13, 14-year-old kid, there's four of them, they're friends, and they are raised in a godly country, with, in a godly school, with godly parents, learning godly values, and then out of nowhere, their country gets sieged, and they got to walk 700 miles to a new country that is godless, run by a godless king, run by a godless culture, surrounded by godless people. Now, maybe you're from Silicon Valley. You, you already feel this. This is the most unchurched region in the entire country. You're like, Pastor Ali, I, I go to work at Apple every day. It's like, it's, it's, I'm already living that life. But my question is, what do you do when you live in a godly country and now you're trying to survive in a godless country? What do you do when you have friends who are all Christian and they all move away and now you're the only Christian in your, in your clique? How do Christians survive in a godless culture? That's why we're going through this book. And the, and the question is, when did this happen, Pastor Ali? Well, this happened 3,000 years ago. And, and, and the reason why we're going through this, you got to understand that even though this happened in modern-day Iraq, even though Israel, a, a, a different culture, different country, even though they were rebellious against God, even though God had given them the promises of God and they, they rebelled, they were sliding into the DMs of other gods, flirting, worshiping other gods, and God said, you know what, we, we need a separation, let's break, break up for a little bit, and they were sieged, and Babylon came in, and, and the question is, well, Pastor Ali, why, this happened 3,000 years ago, why are we in Silicon Valley, the, the only thing I deal with is when my Wi-Fi goes down, and, you know, COVID is, the traffic's going back up, come on, rent is high, what does this have to do with me? I'm so thankful that you asked that question, because the first thing I need to tell you is we're going to talk about demons tonight. And if we're going to be people of the Bible, we got, we got to talk about demons because they're in the scriptures. And Babylon, even though it was a country 3,000 years ago, if you, if you went to Google Maps, there would, it, there would be a pin that dropped in modern-day Iraq. They, they had a flag, they had a king, they had a country. But it, it stopped existing 600 B.C. Why are we talking about a country that doesn't even exist anymore? And that's why I want to in encourage you. There is this thread, this theme that goes throughout Scripture that multiple times in the New Testament, the writers, including the New Testament authors from the Gospels to the book of Revelation, they mention this entity named Babylon, even though the country doesn't exist. What's up with that? I'm going to show you some of those examples and explain why this is so important for us today. The first one is this in the book of 1 Peter. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. This was written by a dude named Peter who spent three years with Jesus. He, he, Jesus was born in zero. He died in 30 A.D. This was probably written in 60 to 70 A.D. Babylon has been gone for 800 years when this was written. Why is he referencing a country that doesn't even exist anymore? What's up with that? The next example comes from the book of Revelation. I just call time out. I need to explain some things. The book of Revelation, if you've never read it, I was born and raised in a Christian home or a Muslim home. I didn't become a Christian at the age of 24. So I know what it's like to come to Christian church. I'm like, dude, this is crazy. This is weird. I remember reading the Gospels. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't need Iron Man. I don't need the Hulk. I got Jesus. This guy's a superhero. Then I love reading the epistles, the book of Romans, 1 Corinthians. Amazing. Then I got to the book of Revelations. Jesus has glowing Nikes, dude. There are dragons trying to eat babies. There are lions with wings. I'm like, I didn't know Christians could drop acid. What is up? And then it's all the weird Christians who are all about the book of, every year, three, four times a year, I get an email from someone saying, what's your theology on the book of Revelation? It's like, dude, what? They're trying to, they, they use this book as if it's like a magic eight ball, trying to predict the future. The book of Revelation tells you in verse one, this is a revelation of Jesus. 
It's not a fortune cookie telling you the future. It's trying to show you there's another world that you can't see, you can't taste, you can't smell it, but it influences this world. And that world's more real than this one. And so often we go to the book of Revelations, try to predict the future. The book of Revelations trying to tell you what has happened throughout history. And it will constantly repeat itself. You need to write this idea down. The Bible is not an old book. It's a timeless one. Which means it's not a book about history. It's a book about humanity. What we will constantly do again and again and again. You need to realize that Jesus three times in the book of Revelations goes to war with this entity called Babylon. Even though if you Google mapped it, in the days of Jesus, Babylon didn't exist. What's up with that? Let me read you this verse from Revelations. The second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. What's up with that? Why are we talking about Babylon when the country doesn't exist? And I'm trying to get you to realize, put your thinking cap on. There's this one time when Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 goes to the city called Caesarea Philippi, Vegas on steroids. In that city, you would have sex with a goat to worship. It's crazy. You think Vegas is bad? This is different. And then he comes and goes, who do the people say that I am? Some say, oh, you're this prophet, you're that prophet. He goes, no, 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 no. I didn't say who, who do you say that I am? Like, oh, you're the, you're the son of the living God. You're, you're God in the flesh. And goes, Peter Jesus goes, no one, no man reveal it to you but God in heaven. And it's because I'm the Christ, because I'm God in the flesh, I did not come to give you a book. I didn't come to give you a religion. I didn't come to you guys to come to an ugly building and sing songs uh, once a week on Sunday. I came to die on the cross for your sins. And Peter's like, no, 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 you're not dying. And Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. And the principle there, he's not, he's not addressing the person. He's addressing the spirit behind the person. That's what I want you to realize. Babylon is a country, and listen, it's a spirit. I wrote down like this. Babylon, the nation of Babylon in the Bible is a country. And then in the book of Revelations, it's, it's a demonic spirit named Babylon. That's in every country, in every culture, in every generation. Which means it doesn't matter whether you're from America, South America, Africa, Europe. You need to write this down. Christians are always in exile in Babylon. Babylon is a spirit. That's why we are studying this book. How does a 12-year-old boy who then gets captured, we would classify him as maybe a, a victim of human trafficking. He's a prisoner of war. He then becomes, 70 years later, the number two in, in, the, in Babylon. He didn't just survive he thrived in the same way. How are Christians in the most unchurched region, how are we going to survive? How are we going to thrive with our faith in this godless valley? And the idea is we got to do what Daniel did. This is a two-part sermon. This week is how Babylon wants to influence you. Next week is how Daniel influenced Babylon. So today is good. Next week is just as good. Let's read verse 1 again. I want to show you this. It says, During the third year of King Jehoiakim, the reign of Judah, the king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. In the, the book of Hebrews, there's what's called the Hall of Fame of faith. Like we have Joe Montana, we have Babe Ruth. Those are the people who are in the Hall of Fame of like sports. But in faith, there's a Hall of Fame of faith. That's Hebrews chapter 11. If the Bible had a Hall of Fame of shame, Jehoiakim would be at the top of the list. This dude takes the Bible in front of all the prophets in church and starts cutting it up with a knife and then sets it on fire. And they elected that guy to be king. He is the worst 
king of Jerusalem, theologians think. This guy doesn't even, he's, he's a, he's a non-believer leading a Christian nation. Think how crazy that is. And then throughout the book of Daniel, for the next three or four weeks, you realize there are three people in the book of Daniel. There are the Babylonians who don't know God, who don't worship God, who don't know Jesus. Then there are the people of God. And then the third category are the most confusing. These are the people of God who live Babylonian. Maybe that's one of you. Maybe in this room you're new to church, you've never been here before, you're exploring faith. We're not trying to put a label on you. We're not trying to discriminate you. We're just saying, hey, maybe you're exploring Christianity. Welcome. This is a place where you can bring your questions, bring your doubts. But for us in this room, we are the people of God. And God wants us to live for him and have bold convictions. My challenge is that many of you are the people of God, but you live Babylonian. What does that mean, Pastor Ali? It means you preach the gospel, but you live with your girlfriend. You lie and steal on your taxes so you can get more money at the end of the year. You are the people of God, but you do what everyone else in our culture does. And you're confusing because you say one thing with your lips, but then you do another thing with your life. And it continues. The Lord gave him victory over Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure of his God. In our culture, we don't understand this. In our culture, when countries go to war, it's country against country. Back in that day, though, it was different. It was our God versus your God. So Nebuchadnezzar, he's saying, my God beat your God up. So we're going to take your Bible, take your communion, and we're going to put it in my, because my God's bigger and stronger than your God. That's what he's doing. And it continues. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the king, the chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other nobles. And you got to understand, the king, he's got young men and young women in his temple. And this dude, you have to trust him with your life, around your wife, around young children. This dude's a eunuch. And if you don't know what that means, that means they snip, snip the Old Testament way. The, the Greek word, the Hebrew word for uh, eunuch is where we get the English word unicorn. Totally made that up. Just making sure you're paying attention. <laughs> it's a heavy sermon. Got to throw in a few jokes there. Come on. This dude is a eunuch, and it continues. Select only strong, healthy, good-looking men and make sure they are all well Verse in every branch of learning are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are well suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food from wine from his own kitchen. The king was not eating at sizzler. This is like fogo de chow kind of food. They were to be trained for three years. Someone say three years. Then they would enter into royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were of the were four. Of the young men chosen. And what I want to make this distinction, there were thousands of young men. Thousands of Christians that were put in exile. God only mentions four of them. Because these four had bold convictions. And uh, what is crazy is that not only are they taken out of Babylon, they are put in a school not to learn Babylonian language, not to learn and read and write. They are being indoctrinated. This is a school that's reverse engineering their faith. Trying to bring out the Christianity in them. And often we do this in America. We just go to college for four years. We pay them, but they're trying to bring out the faith in us. And in verse 7 says this. I didn't read this in the beginning, but I want to read this. The chief of staff, Ashpenaz, renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. 
And what you need to understand, in our, in our culture, your name is like a placeholder. That's, that, that's just what we call you. In that culture, your name was your identity. Your name often was rooted in the character of God. Often it reinforced. This is why parents, you shouldn't call your kids stupid, stupid, stupid. Because one day what? He's going to believe he's stupid because he heard it all the time. Because you are what you are repeatedly told that you are. That's why the, the Babylonians, what they're trying to do, this is the spirit of Babylon. It's trying to re-indoctrinate these people to bring them out of their faith. Let me read you the names. Daniel what means Yahweh is my judge. Belshazzar means treasure of Baal. Imagine your name changing. Hananiah is Yahweh shows grace. His new name, Shadrach, means under the command of Aku, which is a Babylonian god. Mishael means who is like Yahweh. His new name, Meshach, means who is like Aku. Azariah, he gets a short on the stick. His name means Yahweh is my helper. His new name means servant of Nu, N-O-O, so the Babylonian king. And what's crazy is this social experiment failed. And we have some clues from the Bible that we know that failed. Number one, Daniel never calls himself by his Babylonian name. Whenever he writes to the Bible, he never, he never calls his friends by the Babylon. He always refers to himself and his friends. He's like, you can call me whatever you want. I'm using these names. And the next one, this next example, blew me away. For, for centuries, if you look through the, the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, all the Babylonian names are misspelled. And this is before the printing press. Often what would happen, there would be a scribe, and he would write down word for word, period for period, and there would be a person looking over his shoulder, making sure he wasn't messing up. And they're like, why are all these names misspelled? Maybe one person messed up, and then every person after him copied and pasted the wrong mistake. But then they found the, the Dead Sea Scrolls. And it wasn't just the New Testament ex examples of the Bible. They found the Old Testament examples. And in those Old Testament Dead Sea Scrolls, they found that all the names were purposely misspelled by Daniel. And it was Daniel's way of saying, screw you, Babylon. I, I, I don't know if my name is Bibble Baggins, SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm not calling myself what you call me. I'm calling myself what Jesus calls me. And that's my encouragement to you. How do we, as the people of God, survive in a godless culture? Do we look like them? Or if we want to make a difference, listen, we've got to be different. I mean, there are four things that the spirit of Babylon wants to teach you and force you to do. If you're taking notes, this is a good time to take notes. Number one, this, the school of Babylon wants to want, number one, separation. Someone say separation. See, well, you, you live like how you walk with the people you do life with. John Maxwell says, show me your five friends, I'll show you your life. This is why Babylonians, they made Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walk 700 miles from his friends, from his family, from his church, from his school, from his community of faith. Because if I can separate you from those that walk with God, then you won't walk with God. That's why if you want to lose weight, one of the best things you can do is get a friend who's, who's lost weight. Because you walk, you live like the people you surround yourself with. There's a, there's a Two professors at Stanford, uh, they wrote this book called Freakonomics. They wanted to discover what, what influences a kid to go to the best school in the country. Is it the, the affluence of the parents? Is it the zip code in which they live? Is it whether they go to public school or private school? And they discovered the number one indicator for a child's success was the parents. See, what Babylon is doing is they're separating Daniel from his friends and his family. Have you ever hear the term in our culture, what stays in Vegas what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. This idea that, it, no, it doesn't come with me. No, listen, chlamydia does not stay in Vegas. Listen. Been waiting all week to say that joke in church. Come on. You can laugh a little bit louder. 
The Babylonians want to set the spirit. This is where the spirit of God will push you into groups, will push you to serve and be around people. The spirit of Babylon will pull you away from church. My question for you this morning is which spirit are you listening to? Which spirit are you listening to? been pastoring for over a decade. I've seen this pattern again and again and again. People come to church. They're not Christian. They got their arms crossed. Like, who's this guy with the skinny jeans? My 13-year-old daughter should be wearing these jeans. Like, why is he up here, right? And they're angry, and then they hear about the love of God, and the Holy Spirit convicts them, and they just radically change. And I love seeing non-believers because they're always, like, showing up late for worship. Like, what's that karaoke thing you do? And, and then they become Christian. Like, oh, my God, I can't wait to worship. And they're so excited. They text their friends, let's go to church. And then they move. Then they go to school. Or they get a new job in a new city. And they're separated from the faith community that they were raised in. And something shifts. They're looking for a church, but take some time. You text them a year later, hey, how's life? Still looking for a church. It's like, bro, it's been a year. What's going on? And... Then one morning, they're up at 9 a.m. on Sunday, and they could go to church, but instead of texting their friends, they're like, hey, who wants to go to brunch and mimosas? And the thing you need to realize, write this down, you will always drift from the people of faith before you drift from your faith. That's what the spirit of Babylon wants to do. It wants to pull you away from other Christians because he knows if you're surrounded by believers who are passionate about God, you will be passionate too. Spirit of Babylon does number two, elimination. Someone say elimination. I just need to let you know right now, I'm probably going to need to wear this hat for the next 10 minutes because you're probably going to want to throw something at me. That's okay. Elimination. Elimination, the spirit of Babylon wants to destroy three things about God's design of the family. He wants to destroy the sexuality of God's family. He wants to destroy the offspring of God's family. He wants to destroy the provider and protector of God's family. And to be very frank, number one, the spirit of Babylon will always detect healthy human sexuality. Male and female. And in our culture, we have 20 different genders. In the days of Jesus, there were six different sexual identities. And when they asked Jesus, what's your definition of marriage? He said male and female. Ashpenaz, in this this story of Babylon, he is a eunuch. When he brings Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego underneath his authority, guess what happens? They give gender reassignment surgery to Daniel. You are no longer male, Daniel. You are what we say that you are. And Daniel loses his ability to, to, this is why he never gets married in the book of Daniel. That's why he has no children. Because the values of that culture are forced on him. But the spirit of God always says it's male and female. In our culture, no, 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 it's a spectrum. Let me tell you, behind the spectrum is a spirit. It's called the spirit of Babylon. Spirit of Babylon does number two. It doesn't just attack the sexuality of God's family unit. It attacks the offspring of God's family unit. You go to any theologian, any seminary, there is a common theme and thread throughout the Bible. God's kids are being murdered, and God's not okay with it. I mean, in the book of, uh, in the book of uh, uh, Exodus, the Egyptians, sorry, brain fart. In the book of Exodus, the Egyptian king, he's this godless man, and he's like, man, we're comp- the, the Egyptians are multiplying, the, the Jewish people who are slaves under the Egypt, they're multiplying too much. We, we don't like this. So what does the spirit of Babylon do to the king? Because we're going to kill every male-born child for the next two years. The spirit of life, the spirit of God wants to bring life. The spirit of ba- Babylon wants to bring death. In the Old Testament, one of the biggest gods was a god named Molech. You know what you do to Molech? You'd bring your newborn baby, put it on the altar, and then set it on fire for a blessing. 
for provision. Fast forward to the New Testament, the book of Matthew. The Spirit of God comes and impregnates a 14-year-old girl named Mary. The infinite God becomes finite. And the same spirit of Babylon hears about this other king and says, we're going to kill every child in the city of Bethlehem. And even in the book of Revelations, there's this story of a dragon who's trying to kill this baby. Why? Because the spirit of Babylon always wants to kill the sexuality of God's family unit. It wants to kill the offspring of God's family unit. That spirit is alive in America. It's called the American abortion industry. Some of you are like, no, no, that's just a coincidence. In every culture, in every country, the same spirit does the same things. It attacks the sexuality of God's design, and it's okay with abortion. Number three, I know this is challenging. Number three does this. It attacks the family unit provider and protector. Do you know why we have so many angry, bitter women in our culture? Loser men. Loser men who use and abuse women. The Me Too movement is a movement. We're tired of being abused, and they're right, but their solution is wrong. You don't need to eliminate men and have government play that role. Kids don't need government. Kids need dads. Kids need dads. And God's design was for mom and dad to have sex. The first command in the Bible is not no. It's go and have sex with your wife. All the men should say amen to that. And he wants men to rise up and use their strength to provide for their wife and take care of their kids. Whenever you have a culture that's collapsing, it's because the men are being weak. It's the men are being weak. Number three, I know this is hard. We just got to go there, though. Number three, the spirit of Babylon, the school of Babylon wants to do this, indoctrination. Someone say indoctrination. indoctrination. Telling you, you might want to throw something at me at this one. But it's, we need to go there. The Spirit of God wants to give you doctrine from the Word. The Spirit of Babylon wants to indoctrinate you from the world. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern. Someone say the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the ruining of your mind. This word pattern is this idea of like a mold that you put clay into. And the world wants to mold you, tell you how to think, tell you how to do life, tell you how to do sex, tell you how to do money, tell you how to do everything. And they want to mold you so that you look like everyone, you do life like everyone. And God's saying, don't do life like them. Do it the way I tell you. How do I know what to do? Let me transform the way you've been raised, the way that you've thought. Let me transform your mind. Because if I change the way you think, I'll change the way you live. And there are three ways that, they, that our culture use indoctrination to change. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to pull out the Jesus Christianity in you and put some other thing in you. They did to Daniel, and I'm telling you they're doing to us. I'm going to give you three examples. The first is choice architecture. Choice architecture. They'll, they'll ask you things like this. Are you pro-choice or are you one of those people that opposes women's rights? Are, 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 do you support socialism or are you a racist? Are you support biological men competing against women's sports? Are you one of those nasty, toxic masculinity people? And what they do is they create these choices to shame you, to force you into position. And if you accept the world's choices, you will accept the world's conclusions. Because you can be for women's rights and opposed to abortion. You can be against the platform of socialism and be against racism. But they will try to choice architecture, force you into a position. Second one is repetition. The, the, the chief minister of propaganda in, in Germany was a guy named Joseph Goebbels. And he said this, repeat a lie often enough and it will become the truth. In World War II, what they do is they fly these planes and drop these 
pamphlets of propaganda overseas. They don't do that today. I'm not sure if you've noticed that, but they, I never wake up with like mail on my lawn. But what I do wake up is I pull out my phone in the morning and I look at social media and I'm seeing memes and I'm seeing hashtags. Today, that's how propaganda, and it comes in the form of hashtags. It seems like, you do you. Love is love. Follow your heart. Good vibes only. Only do what makes you happy. Stand on the right side of history. And there are these ideas, these hashtags, these ideologies that are so like, I, I need to do that. Everyone is doing that. You don't need to stand on the right side of history. You need to stand on the right side of eternity. <laughs> history is judged by the spirit of Babylon. Eternity is judged by the spirit of God. My question for you is, are you listening to the spirit of God or are you listening to the spirit of Babylon? Are you listening to the spirit of God or the spirit of Babylon? Number four, it's this. It's incentivization. Oh, I'm sorry. We've got one more. It's called packaging. Packaging. No, no, go back. Go back. Packaging. Now, this is going to make half the room happy and half the room angry. And I'm going to give you another example. I'm going to upset everyone. Because half of you are Democrats and half of you are Republicans, and I'm here. I don't follow a donkey or an elephant. I follow a lamb. And I just need to preach God's word. So I'm going to give you some examples of what packaging looks like. A couple weeks ago, I was, uh, my wife and the kids were gone. I have two kids, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Please pray for me. <sighs> I'm going to leave it there. She's three. I'm sorry. They, they say it's terrible twos. It's not. It's three whether they have demons, okay? I'm hungry. I'm, we have no fruit and snacks. I'm not hungry for a meal. I just want something small. So I go to the pantry. Mike, they have the worst, they have like the worst taste in snacks. I'm like, I want something healthy, not like chocolate and rice krispies. I want, oh my gosh, I saw it. It's a fruit snack. I'm like, this is best of both worlds. It's healthy and it's a snack. And then I'm eating it. I'm like, this tastes too good to be a healthy. And then I look at the ingredients. The five of the top ten ingredients are sugar, glucose, brown sugar, high fructose. I'm like, and then I look, there's no fruit in this thing. <laughs> it has fruit flavor. That's what packaging is. They give you a label so that you'll eat the bad things. In our culture, the spirit of Babylon will do that. Here's the first example. Look at this picture. These are January 6, 2021. I want to call it what... We should call it insurrection. But the, the package, I know some of you listen to Tucker Carson, and you're really upset with me right now, but listen, the package was freedom, and I think we should all be for election integrity. We should all fight for those things. But that's anarchy. That's violence. That's open rebellion. And we were given a package, and the contents had nothing to do with freedom. But it's not just that side. Come for the other side as well. Need to explain, about a year ago, over a year ago, our country saw three deaths in a matter of two months that literally shook this nation. First was Ahmaud Arbery, then Breonna Taylor was murdered in her home, and then everyone remembers George Floyd screaming, I can't breathe. And it sparked this revolution in our country of Americans saying, enough is enough. And black lives matter. And my wife and I, we researched this organization, and unapologetically, we set it on screen, and then the hate from Christians began. People stopped giving. People stopped coming to our church. You're a bunch of heretics. Didn't say anything. And, I, and I've been waiting for a year to say this. The great Tony Robbins, he's an African-American pastor in Dallas, Texas. He says, 
Black Lives Matters is both an emphasis and an entity. Black Lives Matters as an emphasis is a good emphasis in the same way that all of us would stand at an abortion clinic and go, unborn lives matter. But Christians should accept the emphasis but must reject the entity. And you have to live in the tension of both. And too many Christians say, oh, that's just woke, and they discard it. And some people say, oh, this is the new gospel. It is not either of those things. It is you accept the emphasis but reject the entity. Let me show you what the entity wants to do in America. This is straight from their website. It's up there. We make a space for transgender brothers and sisters to participate and lead. We do the work required to dismantle cisgender. What does that mean? They're trying to remove male and female. They don't believe in God's design. Privilege and uplift black trans folks, especially black trans women. Now you're like, why are they talking about that in this paragraph? Of you understand critical race theory. There's an idea called intersectionality, and intersectionality says the world is in, in in this view of those who are opposed and those who are oppressing. So the oppressor is the white straight male. And the most oppressed person in society is the black trans woman. So what you need to do is you need to take the person who's in power and replace them with the person who's being oppressed. My question is, the most evil man in the world the last 2,000 years is an Asian dude named Genghis Khan. The most evil person in the Bible is a woman named Jezebel. Because the problem with the world is not oppression. The problem in the world is sin. And if you accept their worldview, the solution will not work. The questions are good, but the solution is bad. And it continues. We, we want to build a space that is free from sexism, misogyny, and environments in which men are centered. What they're saying is we don't need mommies and daddies. We don't need Jesus-loving men who want to take care of their families and raise God. We don't need that. And here's their solution. We dismantle the patriarch practice that requires mothers to work double shifts so they can mother in private and even as they participate in public justice work. Listen, it is not okay that... So many moms are doing the double shift while dad is absent. He's abandoning the family. Their anger, most of the people who started Black Lives Matter are single moms. And their anger is justified. Their solutions won't work. Their solutions won't work. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. We foster a queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative male and female thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual, unless he or she disclosed otherwise. We got to realize that not everything given the label of justice is justice, and not everything under the label of race is really about race. As the people of God, we have to sometimes live in the tension, being led by the word of God, not the spirit of Babylon. My question for you is, are you just dismissing anything that has anything to do with Black Lives Matter because you think it's just woke. At the same time, racism is real, and Christians are called by God for racial reconciliation. If you're not part of that, you're not part of the gospel. The gospel first united Jews and Gentiles because those two people never hung out. And when Jesus came, they started hanging out. So this church should look diverse. Thank God that we are. It's not a white church or a black church. It's a diverse church. Amen? The question is, are you being led by the Spirit of God or by CNN and Tucker Carson on Fox News? And I say that to challenge some of you. You need to read the scriptures because doctrine comes from this. It does not come from a channel on TV. It does not come from a channel on TV. Fourth thing that the Spirit of God, Spirit of Babylon wants to do, incentivization. 
incentivization. If I get the band to come up and play, incentivization. This is where you got to understand Daniel was, was given the best food, the best drinks. He sat at the king's table. He, the king was not eating sizzler. It was full to chow. Unlimited lamb, unlimited lobster, steak, filet mignon, all the good stuff. All the vegans had to leave because it was all meat all day, every day. But they said, Daniel, hey, 98% of your beliefs are cool. We're okay with but it's the 2% that you just need to throw away. Compromise. If you just do that, we're cool, bro. You have the best food. You have the best. We'll give you promotions, 401k, stock, all the good stuff. And we have that in our culture. If you don't tweet that, if you don't say this, if you hang this flag once a month for a year, then you get the promotion, you get the Facebook likes, you get incentivized if you do it. And if you don't, we're going to cancel you. Daniel's culture, Daniel, how in the world as Christians are godly people going to survive in a godless culture? What do we do? We just hide in church without the solution. What did Daniel do? You might want to write this down. Daniel did this. He drew a line in the sand said, I'm not crossing that. I'll go to your work. I'll build your business. I'll go to your school. I'll take your test. I'll do your exams. But I'm never abandoning my God. And it drew a line in the sand. And the reason why Daniel was able in a... Listen, there were thousands of Christians taken out of Jerusalem, brought into Babylon. Only four of them stood. Daniel was a bold Christian. He had some bold convictions. And the day is coming, I'm telling you, if it hasn't already happened, well, you will be pushed. And the question is, have you drawn the line in the sand? Look what happens. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. What you got to realize is Daniel did the most humble thing. He didn't go on social media and say, oh, my boss is a jerk. They're persecuting me. Oh, my gosh. It's everyone against the Christians. Uh -huh. He didn't do that. He took his boss privately aside. And the Bible says he asked, which means he was willing to hear no. He said, hey, I'm grateful you didn't kill me. I'm grateful for this job. I want to build this business for you, Ashpenaz. But I just got to be honest with you. There are some things that you're asking me to do that just kind of go against my faith. But here's the good news. I already have a solution. Can I do it this way instead of that way? And if I do a good job, we're both happy. Can we do that? And Ashpenaz allowed him to do it. Because Daniel was willing to draw a line in the sand. What was Daniel so worried about being defiled from? Well, Daniel went to Centerset as an eight or nine-year-old. He went to the kids' ministry, which is not childcare; it's leadership development. He's being told who Jesus is. He's being taught the scriptures. He's being taught to worship. And he was told in the book of Leviticus, you don't eat foods from that because those are defiled foods. And you don't eat foods that are dedicated to false gods because then it becomes defiled. 
So not only is this the wrong food, it's dedicated to the wrong God. And Daniel said, I ain't doing it. I'll go to your school. I'll work your job. I'll be nice to all my coworkers. I will never shame, attack anyone. I'll never belittle you. I'm going to show up and be a great employee. But I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm not going to cross it. My question for you is, have you driven? Have you drawn a line in the sand? Some of you work in the marketplace, and you will be told by your boss to lie, to steal, to cheat to get the company ahead. And the question is, will you do it? Because all of your coworkers are going to be doing it. Or will you draw a line in the sand? Maybe some of you are in school, and all the cool kids do that. Maybe it's drinking. Maybe it's cheating on tests. And if you don't do what everyone else do, does, you won't be on the in crowd. And there will be this pressure to look like everybody else. If I can encourage you, draw a line in the sand. Some of you are single, ready to mingle. And someday a hottie with a body is going to say hello. And he's going to want to take things that don't belong. Say, no matter what, I'm drawing a line in the sand. Look what Daniel happens to Daniel. Daniel 1, verse 18. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Notice he does not use his Babylonian names. It's like, so they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters of the entire kingdom. The moment that Daniel drew a line is the moment that God showed up. The moment that Daniel said, it does not matter what all my Christian friends do. I am not letting the spirit of Babylon tell me how to worship my God. And he drew a line in the sand. Listen, this culture will not tell you to surrender your faith. They will tell you to compromise it. And if you want to make a difference, you have to be different. If you can bow your head and close your eyes. Got to pray for everyone who can hear the sound of my voice. Heavy message, God. Difficult message. But I feel led to pray for three people this evening. Maybe you're a person of God. God's been speaking to your heart about standing up for him around your group of friends or your family and not compromising anymore. God's been convicting you, speaking to you. The Spirit of God is saying, get involved in community. Go to the growth track. Get, get involved and serve. I want to pray for you. I pray for every person who hears the sound of my voice. They are the people of God. And they hear your voice, Jesus. And they want to be involved in community. They want to hear the Spirit of God more than the Spirit of Babylon. Another person here. You are Babylonian. You are the people of God, but you're living Babylonian. know what the scriptures teach. You just don't want to do it. I want to challenge you tonight that you will never become the Christian that God wants because the conditions that God wants. You cannot just preach the gospel. that is not the way of you.
repent and come back to you, Jesus. That they would live not according to their gospel, but the real gospel. And there are some of you in this room, the third person I want to pray for is you are far from God. And you did not know that God sent his son Jesus not to give us a book, not to give us a, a religion, but God sent Jesus to die for us on the cross to pay our penalty of sin. He came to die. Those of you watching online or maybe in this room, you have never started a relationship with this living God. Your name is Jesus. He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. But the only way you can come to him is if you turn and repent of your sin and receive his free gift of salvation. He came to die so that you can live. He came to be to receive the punishment of sin so that you receive the blessing of God. It's almost too good to be true. And yet he does it freely. The only thing you need to do is simply believe. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If that's you tonight and you want to start a relationship with living God, you will raise your hand. Love and pray. Pray this prayer in your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Left heaven for me. And you died on a cross for my sin. And the reason why you died was because you lived a sinless life that I should have lived. And you don't want me to die. So you're taking my place. Thank you, God, for dying in my place. I repent. I turn from my sin and come back to you, Jesus. Would you speak to me, God? led your people of God. I want to listen to your spirit, Jesus, not the spirit of God. And I do that by entering relationship with you. Everybody said. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.